Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blackwood Show. The Black, the Black, the Black, Black. Welcome to the Blackwood Show. I am Taylor Blackwood, and this is my show. Uh, Today, I want to talk to you all a little bit about the wildness that's going on in the markets. This is definitely dominating the news cycle lately. I'm getting a lot of questions from y'all about what to do with your investment portfolios or what I make of all this current economic situation, and particularly in the financial markets. As a quick overview for those of you who are living under a rock right now in the financial news arena. Uh, there's been a big sell-off occurring since 2022 started. Uh, we have the S&P is down close to like 9% uh, year to date. The NASDAQ, as of uh, this recording, I'm recording this on Sunday, January 23rd, and the NASDAQ is down 13% year to date. <clears throat> especially a lot of my listeners are kind of younger people who invested heavily in tech and growth, especially during coronavirus. A lot of you are just getting started in investing and, and had these crazy growth stocks that have way outperformed. You know, I, I get questions from listeners who are beating the hell out of my portfolios. That's for sure. You know, people are up 50%, 100%, things like this and big growth names. And a lot of those are experiencing particularly big implosions. So for example, I'm down close to 20% from my all-time high, less than that year to date. But, uh, I'm down a lot because I have a bunch of aggressive growth positions that I've talked to you all about on this podcast, things like Moderna. I'm really big in Apple and Amazon still is a big weight of my um, personal brokerage account that I handle and invest myself versus the one that I have uh, some managed money as well. But anyway, so I, uh, you know, I have some growth, things like Moderna, CRISPR technology. I have a couple calls, long-term calls, like uh, a year and two years out uh, of long dated calls that I bought. Uh, which I'll explain more about that on this podcast. But anyways, all this is to say that the NASDAQ's down about 13%. Those of us with growth stock allocations are down, like I'm down 20% from my all-time high, probably more like, uh, again, you know, 15% or so for year to date, something like that. But a lot of people are down even more. I mean, I see stories on Reddit right now of people down 30%, 50%. And God forbid, if they're leveraged up, they might be looking at margin calls soon and things like this. And I'm seeing a lot of panic. Uh, the same is happening in the crypto markets. I was looking at my Coinbase uh, accounts just gotten slaughtered. So from my all time high, I'm down 50%. <laughs> I was looking at that earlier today and, uh, um, uh, the, all, all that's occurred really recently too. Like the last probably three months or so is where all that's happened. And a lot of people are into altcoins and other things like this have experienced a much sharper downturn than that. I'm actually close to my overall cost basis in uh, cryptocurrency right now because I really started to invest more heavily in that about a year to 14 months ago. So I was a little late to that party. But uh, again, you know, cryptocurrency is a quick overview. I've done some podcasts on it before and I'm a, I'm a believer in it, but I also have always said, and I can't give advan- financial advice on this podcast. All of this is for informational purposes only, but I've always said with cryptocurrency that you should have less than 5% of your investable, uh, uh, brokerage accounts in this. So not, not even counting like retirement or overall net worth for sure, but just of what you're investing, you should have 5% or less in this. Uh, I see it as very risky, high high uh, risk, but also high reward that I do kind of like the narrative that crypto could play a huge role in the future and should have a part of our portfolios. But again, you know, in, in the in the specter of this conversation, it's way down. And in fact, what we're finding with cryptocurrency is that with all this institutional money coming in and a lot of the people, uh, a lot of real money coming into this, those people also have a lot of exposure to stocks. So it tends to be that crypto is like a magnified 
uh, uh, example of what's going on with stocks. So when stocks are up a little bit, crypto's up a lot. And when stocks are down a little bit, crypto's down even more. So we're starting to find a lot of correlation between crypto and, and the stock market correlation, meaning that they move in the same direction. Whereas before, some people thought that crypto would be a non-correlated asset, that it'd be more like a quote unquote digital gold that might go up when uh, stocks going down or something like that, which is just not panning out right now because the macros of institutional investors and people with high net, high net worth individuals moving into crypto. So and which, by the way, is bullish for crypto because, you know, you want those serious people in it. But nonetheless, it does kind of lead to that correlation. So with all that said, that kind of sets the table. The S&P 500 is heading towards, quote unquote, correction territory of a drop of more than 10 percent from all time highs. The Nasdaq is, is solidly in correction territory with that 13 plus percent drop that I mentioned before. Taylor Blackwood's in the correction territory. <laughs> My uh, portfolio is down like 20% uh, from its all-time highs near the end of last year, like November or so. Last year was probably the peak. And uh, and I, I feel like I've been underperforming a little bit because I have a pretty heavy growth allocation. And then crypto, of course, has just gotten slaughtered. Like I said, you know, my portfolio, that's majority Ethereum, a decent allocation of Bitcoin, then small allocation, like 10 to 15% of my cryptocurrencies and altcoins and Solana and um, Cosmos and a couple other things like this. So at any rate, you know, with that as the backdrop, everyone's kind of trying to make sense of what's going on. And all of a sudden you've seen all the messaging boards and even news sites uh, switch from, you know, talks about, ooh, this super cycle and can the bull run continue to now all of a sudden all the bears are getting a lot of attention. And there's this guy who's come out saying, oh, I'm going to see a 50% drop in stocks from here. And he's getting all sorts of play on Reddit and all the major news sites. And it's the head of my Bloomberg and New York Times and Wall Street Journal every morning is about the stock market crash. In particular, they're loving the crypto crash that they're really focusing on that. And I'm guessing that's getting a lot of eyeballs. So what I want to talk about a little bit today is how to make sense of all this. And without giving you all financial advice, because again, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only kind of where I think it's going to go from here. And the too long don't read, you know, kind of the high level summary of this is that I'm seeing a lot of panic right now without a lot of corresponding reason. And what I mean by that is that the backdrop has not changed that much. What we have is like an unprecedented macroeconomic situation. That again, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, I've long argued for inflation. Now it's really come true. We've, we saw a 7% inflation print uh, for 2021, which is just insanely high. You know, the long-term target's 2%, so way beyond what the Fed said. Uh, they're really starting to drop or move away from that narrative that it's transitory because it has not been transitory through 2021 and, and the likelihood of it being transitory in 2022 is lower and lower. And I'm beginning to believe that it's a Y-intercept bump. I don't think we're going to necessarily have like runaway inflation. I think we can kind of tamp and control it from here. And I think there's deflationary forces in the economy that once everything kind of goes to normal and coronavirus becomes more controlled, you're going to see us kind of get a re 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 like a revert to normal and head more towards inflation at 2%. But I think this is a Y-intercept bump where employees are getting raises, uh, prices have gone up, the cost of goods sold has gone up, supply chain issues have raised prices. And I think those are sticky. You know, the prices take... Uh, uh, the elevator up and the ladder down, so to speak. Right. So, you know, they'll fly way up, but it's really hard to get them to go back down. And I think that's what you're going to see here. So, you know, with that whole backdrop, I think that assets, of course, hard assets like real estate and, you know, traditionally gold and things like that, but, um, maybe like commodities and things like this, uh, real estate investment trusts, all those do really well in inflationary environments. Um, but at, 
also stocks do okay, right? Because the, the thing you don't want in an inflationary environment is hard cash because you're losing your purchasing power. So with that said, I think the stocks still have some good fundamentals because of the inflationary environment is going to outweigh a lot of these other concerns. Uh, the, one of the huge unknowns, of course, is the pandemic and what's going to happen with it. And maybe markets are starting to get a little bit more jittery about Omicron's uh, impact on that. But the truth of Omicron is that it's insanely contagious. It gets a huge spike in the short term that would really disrupt things and get it, it, particularly investors and the powers that be nervous. And then it subsides. Uh, we, we, thank goodness it's not as deadly as previous variants like Alpha and Delta in particular. Um, and there's a lot of narrative from really smart health officials that we're going to move to the endemic away from the pandemic stage of this, uh, of this pandemic. And, and what the endemic means is, is that it'll eventually become more like the flu. Like the Spanish flu was a huge pandemic when it first happened. It was actually way more deadly and killed a lot more people as a percentage of population than coronavirus. And now we still live with the flu to this day successfully, right? It's a really ugly thing. That's oftentimes out of the spotlight. It kills tens of thousands of people every year but we learned how to live alongside it. And that's kind of what people think is going to happen with coronavirus eventually. And those experts believe that Omicron is kind of the ushering in of that. So there's actually good news on the pandemic front. The inflation news is kind of bullish dash bearish for stocks. Really it's, it's bullish for certain stocks and bearish for others, but you don't want to be in cash. So, I mean, inflation kind of encourages people to deploy into assets. So real estate will win disproportionately to stocks real estate and assets like it will win disproportionately stocks. So stocks will do pretty well through that. So then you're left with people starting to unwrap two other major factors. And these are real concerns, right? And these are a little bit more difficult to quantify, but let's talk about the other two concerns that are kind of in the narrative for why this huge correction is happening. The first one is valuations and valuations have just been crazy during 2020, 2021. And even some people would say leading up to that, there's a lot of people calling for the end of the bull market before the pandemic even happened. And certainly seeing valuations, it, what I mean by valuations is that like market caps have exploded, especially price earning ratios have exploded, which is normally like a good calibration for, is this a reasonable price to pay for a stock? And even though a company's long-term prospects may be great, you can overpay for it. It can be a terrible investment. I mean, that happened classically with like Cisco and some other companies like that during the last dot-com boom, where they haven't even returned to their all-time highs from the year 2000 or whatever. Uh, and 22 years later, they still would be like a bad investment all these years later, even if you held through. So there's some people nervous that that's happening. And I definitely think if you hold individual stocks and in particular, in, in particular high growth stocks, uh, and, and really, especially these meme stocks that have exploded, which if you listen to this podcast regularly, I'm not a huge fan of investing in personally. Um, I, I acknowledge lots of people made lots of money, but you got to know when to sell with those things. And I'm not particularly great at that. So I've kind of stayed away from them. Uh, I think the meme stocks in particular could really get hurt. I think that in this correction, you know, things like GameStop or AMC and these crazy stocks that have just exploded beyond what I, I see as their fundamentals. I think that they could really get into big time correction territory and hold there. So I think individual stocks may get burnt in this valuation bubble, but I don't think that's a reason to stay out of indexes, funds or sectors that you really like. You know, like I've talked about ArcG and some of those that I've liked and they've experienced big downturns, but I think like ArcG in the long term is actually a pretty solid sector to be in where you start to invest in uh, uh, genomics and, and trends like this that are only going to continue to improve. I'm a big fan of um, uh, semiconductor uh, uh, index funds. Like I have SMH, I believe it is off the top of my head. 
which is like a, a sector fund for uh, microchips. And I think that's a great thing to have exposure to because I'm real bullish on the future of microchips and how they'll be needed in our society. So I think with that said, if you kind of get away from individual stock picks, that's a good way to navigate your portfolio during this time. And again, this is an investment advice for an entertainment purposes only. But I think if you in, kind of move, a, maybe not a hundred percent, like still have some fun and pick some stocks. Like I still pick individual stocks for sure, but I'm kind of moving a little bit towards uh, sector investing and picking sectors that I like, because when there's huge valuations in individual companies, that's kind of a dangerous time to be investing into individual companies. I mean, you could get burnt in that type of thing. Uh, but I think if you pick sectors, that's a really good way to navigate this downturn. Um, so, you know, I think the valuation risk here is definitely a big one, but it's hard for me to say that that's really going to be something that I think you can still be invested in stocks during this period and be successful. Um, uh, and I don't think that the valuation bubble enough is going to be enough to bring us really to our knees, like thinking like a 30 to 50% correction in the markets. I don't, I don't see that happening because I think that inflation risk is going to outweigh some of those valuation risks. Now, again, you could get burned on individual names. So be really careful, especially if you get it near anything that has like meme stock status. But I, I don't think this is a reason to flood away from the stock market in total is kind of my take on it. So yeah, maybe rotate a little bit out of some of your growth stock names and into sectors that you like, but I wouldn't limit your overall stock exposure over that. I, I don't see um, uh, like a uh, a 20% plus 30% plus sustained correction in stocks during this. I think we're gonna have a lot of volatility or you might see some troughs and peaks that'll take your breath away. Uh, but I think generally you're going to kind of see a stock market throughout the course of this year that corrects a little bit and then moves sideways with some nice spikes here and there. And I'll get more into that in a little bit. The final risk that's kind of on the table that people are using as a narrative for the sell-off right now is interest rate risk. And this is also a very real pressure that again, I think is outpaced by inflation and uh, kind of the general health of our economy. Because again, counterintuitively, the economy is actually reasonably strong right now with workers commanding a lot of uh, high wages and, and a lot of demand in the economy that's pent up and things like this. So the economy is actually pretty strong. Uh, and the GDP prints kind of show that. And I, and I, my prediction is it only gets stronger as we kind of come out of the pandemic. So those factors I think are outweighing the risk of interest rates rising. Now, interest rates need to rise now so that the Fed can tamp down inflation because low interest rates encourage economies to overheat. High interest rates kind of like putting the brakes on the economy. It's the lever of control uh, that the, the Fed can have for slowing down an overheating economy and maintaining their inflation goal, which is one of their main objectives. So with inflation at 7%, it's almost kind of like guaranteed that they're going to raise interest rates to try to slow down some of that uh, inflation. I think it's a really complicated time for them to make those decisions because the pandemic's still going on. So when that kind of continues to subside, they're going to see some of those factors pull out, then they'll know what they really need to do to adjust it. But there's more and more smart people. I saw an article earlier, like Goldman Sachs saying they expect that you'll see interest rates rise at every uh, Fed meeting this year, which is which is typically thought of as bad for stocks. I don't know. Again, I think that this factor, if you look at like, is, a, is the stock market going to go up, down or sideways is a very dynamic set of factors. One is like, okay, the economy is strong. That's a big lift. Inflation is high. That's a lift for stocks as well. Generally, um, not every sector, but in, the, in general, you'd rather be in stocks than cash. So that's kind of a, a positive tailwind for stocks. Uh, there's a lot of optimism built into the pandemic ending and things like that. Those those forces are are 
kind of pushing against the downward forces of, again, valuation, which we just explored, and then rising interest rates. So although, yes, interest rates need to rise, they're not signaling increases that are so big that you see people fleeing the stock market. Now, why would they flee the stock market when there's interest rates rising for my listeners who aren't really hip to this? The reason is that the interest rates rising make bonds and things like this more attractive. They raise the yields of like treasury bills and everything that's more risky beyond that. So you might reasonably as an investor uh, allocate more of your portfolio away from stocks and into bonds and the, and bonds and stocks are kind of competing for uh, investment dollars from the same investors. So the idea is that stocks will drop with more people allocating more of their funds to bonds as interest rates rise. But in order for that to happen, you kind of have to overcome this idea that uh, that like the bonds are attractive relative to stocks and the increases they're talking about are pretty minuscule. I mean, you're talking about, you know, they're not talking about like 5% months in the interest rate, of course, right? Where you might fly into some T-bills. I mean, T-bills before you could buy them at 7% annual prints. And now they're probably like what, 2% or less or something for a 30 year bill. I'll look that up for you guys real quick. But the point being that it's not very attractive um, to invest in bonds and things relative to the returns on stocks, even if they do raise interest rates kind of close to what they're talking about doing. I mean, here's T-bills are selling for like low 2%, right? Like yield day high was 2.118%. So would you rather have your money earning 2% in a T-bill or like the prospect of a risky, but possibly the risk adjusted return that's strong in a stock market that might return eight to 10% in a year like this, right? So it's kind of difficult to say what interest rate rise would attract people away from stocks and into bonds in a meaningful way that could crash the stock market. But I don't think what we're going to see the Fed do raises to that occasion. Like if they raise it 75 basis points, I still that's a big raise on a percentage basis from where we are, but that's still not going to really be enough to um, uh, slow down the stock market. And a big reason that I think the Fed might not raise interest rates aggressively right now and this is a little bit controversial, but this is kind of my personal opinion, because uh, really the Fed and the government are supposed to be pretty independent of one another. But our government has massive amounts of money that it's that it's borrowed out with through through the interest rate, these low interest rates. Right. So like we have a massive exploding national debt and the interest rate is how we issue new debt to pay the old debt that's due and things like this uh, is really tied to that interest rate. So the our government has a financial incentive to keep the interest rate low because they've borrowed a ton of money. And if they raise the interest rate, it makes it harder for them to repay that old debt and things like this because we're kind of got dependent on this huge uh, debt cycle. I mean, there's some people who don't believe in the theory I just mentioned. That's kind of a high level point of view that there's downward pressure on interest rates from the influence of the U.S. government maybe directly if you're a little bit conspiracy theorist and, and less directly if uh, uh, if you look at the Fed would still have that on the table as things they take into account when considering interest rate raises. So anyways, all that's getting a little bit technical, but this is to say that I do believe downward pressures on the stock market for the year 2022 could come from two sources, one being valuation and the other being interest rates. But as I've kind of outlined for you all, I think that the bullish uh, uh, aspects for the stock market actually kind of outweigh those negative ones. And it's keeping me from like doing something crazy, like selling out of my stock portfolio and things like this. Now, how would you position yourself? I kind of started to get into this advice. Uh, and again, this is not financial advice for entertainment purposes only, but my kind of unofficial advice for all of you listening 
is to be real cautious about leverage in this environment, right? So this is a good time to take some of your earnings and most people would argue continue to DCA through every uh, market cycle. If you are looking to time the market at all, quote unquote, time the market, I think it's, this is not a terrible time to kind of slow down your DCAs and see what happens. This is a very unprecedented environment. And although I kind of generally think the stock market's going to maybe correct a little bit, then stabilize, move generally sideways for 2022, maybe finish the year down somewhere in the negative five to positive 5% range is kind of my current thinking for the stock market's going to end up at the end of 2022 with certain sectors outperforming others, which is kind of an obvious statement that always happens. But I think that'll particularly be true here where it's hard to see growth is going to make a huge comeback, but maybe. And, uh, you know, it, I think there'll be a, a new balance of power as we get through 2022 in the different sectors. But anyways, bringing back the point, I think that this is this is a bad time to really just DCA in blindly because you could see this market correct even further in the sell off with the fear overcoming the greed for a period. But I think it'll find support. And if your outlook is not short term, I think this is a good environment to hold on to. And the only thing that could really burn you with that strategy, if you're a medium to long term investor like myself and you're looking to kind of ride out this weird blip and, and you're kind of like me and bullish on the long term medium to long-term prospects of the stock market from the current environment, then what I'd really encourage is be careful about leverage and your whole balance sheet, your whole personal balance sheet. So that includes your mortgage, your car payments, especially leverage on investments and things like this. Really think about if there were a recession in addition to this downturn in the market right now, and maybe your job, you're making less money or God forbid got laid off or something. Make sure that your emergency fund is really, really strong, which if you listen to my podcast, that's a core part of my uh, personal finance advice. So you should have at least six months to a year of, uh, all your expenses totally covered with a, a risk off asset, like tips is what I've done historically. And what I recommend on this podcast, or, uh, even just cash, right? Just have an emergency fund. That's really, really secure. that can get you through six to 12 months. Cause this is a weird economy. Anything could happen right now for sure. Which is always true, but it's particularly true when things are this weird. So, you know, be a little bit cautious about risk on assets. This is not a good environment, in my opinion, for leverage. And, you know, leverage is good when the market's at its very bottom and about to recover really, really strong. That's when you might want a little extra leverage in your life and a little extra leverage in your investments and your overall balance sheet. And I don't read that this is the time for that. I think this is a good time to go risk off and to, if you have any leverage to kind of pay it down or off and to not take on any new leverage in today's environment. This is a good time to live, you know, live within your means to not have a lot of leverage on yourself and your portfolio and to ride this thing out. But I also would not sell out of stocks altogether. If you're medium to long term. if you're short term, I don't know how to give you advice. I don't know anything about day trading and how to make money in the next two weeks or month or whatever. Right. I mean, that's anyone's guess in my opinion, but I do think that, you know, if you kind of look at how you navigate this and a lot of you are entrepreneurs kind of invest uh, for your nest egg or invest on the side or maybe as a hobby, if, if that kind of sounds like who you are, if that resonates with you, then this is a good environment to not have leverage and to kind of ride it out. And this is an especially good environment uh, for a covered call strategy. Uh, because whenever the market's going to move kind of generally down or sideways, it's a great time to write cover calls and to get a little extra premium on your stock. So anytime you see like a 5% bump in the market where it corrects itself a little bit and things haven't really changed much in the overall narratives, that's kind of a good time to write some cover calls on some of your positions. I like to do cover calls that are one to two weeks out and a little bit out of the money. And I look for 1% uh, return on that. Um, 
in, in that period, I should say. Right. And, uh, um, that's a nice little cover call to write and that's good premium. And that's a good way to get some extra income off your portfolio through a, a generally down or sideways market. That's a really good way to do it. And then when you think we found bottom, that's a good time to start to uh, sell puts. And I don't like to sell puts that I don't have covered by cash in my portfolio, but that's a good time to kind of sell some puts and get some premium as the market starts to bounce back. So, you know, in my updates on this, as I do more of these podcasts about the markets throughout 2022, that uh, I'll kind of talk to you more about covered call strategies and maybe I'll even do a, a covered call and uh, uh, put like selling put strategy with cash to cover those puts. So kind of like a covered put esque strategies, right? So for those of you who are more technical, you probably already know what that means, but I might do a podcast kind of detailing more of that, but I'll give some cues throughout this year about uh, covered calls and quote unquote covered puts and, uh, and kind of give you some advice about what I'm doing with those. But definitely that's going to, play a key part in my strategy. I want to make an extra five to 10% in premiums on covered calls and selling puts this year as, as the markets kind of vibrate as I predict. And, uh, let's, let's turn our attention real quick to crypto. Crypto is something that's real hot. Lots of people are way down and boy, I just see so much. Like if you see a little bit of stock market, like people trying to read the tarot cards and predict what's going to happen. And you see a little bit of people trying to call the future and that you see that on steroids and cryptocurrency. I mean, on my, r dash cryptocurrency subreddit uh which is the the page on reddit that's dedicated to cryptocurrency discussions for those of you who aren't familiar you just see people writing these articles that are just full they call it hopium you know people just writing like oh this can't be the bottom and don't forget it's the future and hodl and all this stuff it's like man i just feel bad for people who are buying into this too strong so my same advice really really applies to cryptocurrency be very careful about leveraging cryptocurrency of course right now it's going to be the stock market amplified and that correlation is going to continue, mark my words, that as big money and big finance, and especially if any hedge funds and things like this turn, you know, getting more involved in cryptocurrency, you're going to see it correlate very directly to stocks because the way they're treating cryptocurrency in their portfolios is as a more risk on version of stocks. So they see crypto as an even higher beta, higher risk version of like a growth stock, and they're going to treat it that way in their portfolio. So if there are ugly days and they're fearful, they're going to sell their crypto first and they're going to sell it hard and they're going to sell it cheap. So you're going to see crashes in crypto a lot. That volatility, that's a classic hallmark of crypto is definitely going to stay here. And listen, if you invested a ton of your net worth into cryptocurrency and now you're surprised by this uh, volatility, I mean, I, I don't do this often, but I'm going to go ahead and say like, man, you made a mistake. <laughs> like you, you really need an if above everything else that I can tell y'all. You need an investment strategy that's consistent with your risk profile in good times and bad. So you need to know yourself in order to be a successful investor. The investor psychology is huge. And that's why there's so, such a good argument for financial advisors is not because they outperform the market or something, because they keep you from doing something stupid in the downturns and selling out at the absolute worst moment when people are most fearful. And believe me, if you're fearful right now, this is not it. This is not that bad of a sell-off. And I've lived through sell-offs way worse than this. I mean, like the pandemic, of course, but even in normal markets and investing between 
2010 when I got real started in earnest and uh, 2020 when the pandemic started, we saw sell-offs of over 10% somewhat regularly and you need to be able to navigate those. And if they make you this scared, like some of these Reddit posts I'm seeing, especially on the cryptocurrency, like, oh, what have I done? I've wasted my savings and blah, 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 that you really shouldn't have been investing that in the first place. I mean, I know hindsight's 2020, but that's how you learn that you invested too heavily and to right size your allocations in the future. So if you can't hold a position through a downturn, you shouldn't have been in the position in the first place is kind of what I'm trying to drive home. I know that's not exactly reassuring for those of you who are seeing red on your screen, but I'm seeing a lot of red right with you guys and I'm holding on because that's, that's one thing when I went to go buy Moderna stock and when I bought a naked call on uh, CRISPR and another naked call on Moderna and when I bought Coinbase and, and these kind of risky stocks and things like this, one thing that I was prepared for is maybe the stock is going to get cut in half from my cost basis. And some of those have, like my CRISPR position was down over 50% at one point, but now it's recovered a little bit and I didn't sell it, <laughs> you know, so, uh, or, and it will recover one day. It might be, it might be real low right now, but it's going to recover one day and I'm gonna be glad I held it. I'm much more confident with saying that for something like Moderna. That's a company that is not going away. They're going to do big things. And I think selling in today's environment would be a huge mistake. So you got to be ready for these downturns when you create your portfolio. And then you have to be confident when you see the downturns to ride them out. So that's my encouragement to you all, you know, is to think real hard before you hit a sell button in today's environment. Even if you see another 10% drop in the markets uh, or individual stocks that drop even further, be a little bit hesitant to sell because if for the same reason you bought that company, you were a believer at some point, ask yourself how much has really changed. And that's my overall summary of this podcast today is how much has really changed. If you take the view from the balcony, if you zoom out to 10,000 feet and look across 10 years, where do things end up with this being a little blip on them? I don't see any new information that should have rattled markets much further than they've already been rattled. I mean, you could call this a healthy correction from an over and exuberant market, but I think people are kind of underestimating. There's a lot of cash on the sidelines. Individual investors and, and quote unquote, the average person in the United States has never had a healthier personal balance sheet. That's way down. They paid off a lot of debt during the pandemic. Income and income prospects are way up. Workers have more leverage for raises and things than ever before. And inflation is kind of the only thing that's fighting them. But that that really is bullish for assets. You know, that they those people are starting to wise up and and kind of like Robin Hood's mission, they really are like investing is getting more democratized or the average person is much more likely to participate in markets and to get involved in stocks, which again is, is upward pressure on stocks uh, uh, during all this to have more people who are candidates who might buy some. So, you know, overall, my encouragement is to slow down a little bit if you're thinking about <laughs> taking out leverage and maybe pay down some leverage even in today's environment, batten down the hatches and get ready to ride out a choppy kind of sideways market. And you're going to see a lot of fear. You're going to see a lot of greed through a couple cycles. The fear is probably going to outweigh the greed in 2022 for a little bit. But there's a chance that there's the better chance, I think, that the market ends up at the end of 22 than ends down, in my personal opinion. And, and I think that this is a good time to see a lot of sideways vibration. I think that's real healthy for the market to kind of be sideways and to end moderately up would be kind of a Goldilocks scenario for this year. And if that happens, be ready to get some income out of your stocks with cover calls and sell and, uh, sorry, selling puts and cover calls, selling cover calls. And, uh, 
uh, kind of hold on. Cause you, what, what I know too, is you don't want to miss it when this thing rallies. And when you see this much fear, when you see this many people writing those articles, like I described on Reddit and stuff like that time and time again, it turns around. So again, none of this is financial advice for entertainment purposes only, but that's what I think of the markets. And I know a lot of people have been asking about it. So I wanted to answer that question. I wish you guys happy investing. I hope everyone's doing well in this. I hope that you're kind of keeping your head, even if you're down. And, and my real dream is that some of you have outsmarted the market. I mean, there are some people who are still making money in every environment. And I hope that that's you uh, listening to this podcast. So I hope it's been a great year. I hope you know some stuff that I don't. You managed to ride this out better than me because, again, I'm down like 20% from my all-time highs and down 50% in cryptocurrency, which has not been fun. But thank God I didn't allocate a ton to it, right? Anyways. We all, we all have our ups. We all have our downs in investing. That's part of the game. And don't think that you're special and get to participate in investing and not have to ride those out. So that's my encouragement is let's all ride this out together and let's support one another. Well, thank you so much for listening. I know there's a lot of ways you can entertain yourself, not the least of which are a bunch of great podcasts. So thank you for taking the time to listen to little old me. You can reach me on my socials, the best ways on Instagram at the Blackwood show. And uh, don't forget to like, and subscribe. I love uh, if you come back and listen to me again. So thanks for all the support and I'll talk at y'all soon. Peace.